I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. Welcome again. This is the Feeney Podcast, and we are cruising through these episodes, coming up on the halfway point of season one. I am your first host, Josh, and with my other first host, Jacqueline. How are you doing today, Jacqueline? I'm okay. <laughs> that wasn't a very strong intro. <laughs> You're going to have a Tony the Tiger the moment there, and then you really just <laughs> leveled it out. Yep, great was too strong of a word. Oh, okay. We'll take okay in these uncertain, unknown times where things are a little crazy and stir-crazy for sure. Oh, show. Before we dive in, we do have some old business to take care of first. My brother, who has been our only voice caller so far has a few notes on some of the previous episodes. So just want to dive into these quickly. First off, we talked about wearing jeans in baseball. And my brother's got a little bit of a a talking point there. Hello, this is Dan Shaw, Josh's brother again. Seems like I'm the only one who does voice videos, but I have a lot to say. Jeans in baseball or softball. Rewatch the Sandlot. They're all wearing jeans except for Smalls at the very beginning when he's wearing khaki shorts. My dad, who texted me to say that he played softball from like 1974 to 1996, and pretty much all the way through his softball career, players would either wear shorts or jeans. It was just dungarees is what they would call them, and it's pretty much just all that people wore. Dungarees is a New York thing, I'm pretty oh, sure. Like, that's what they call jeans. My dad's from New York as well, so that that all checks out there. And then my brother also wanted to call in to talk about that same softball episode where Corey and Eric don't want to play with their father. My brother also mimicked what I said about absolutely wanting to play in that game if the opportunity rose and Corey was kind of being weird about that. And then mentioned, you know, there are a lot of injuries that happen in that because, you know, Lenny gets hurt and then Alan at the end is kind of like laboring a little bit with a softball injury. And he was wondering... Maybe you guys can talk about your worst injuries while playing sports with or without your dad i'll give you mine i was playing softball and i was playing shortstop and went back for a pop-up and an outfielder came in and slid under me and i landed on my shoulder and broke my collarbone so that was fun Uh, but maybe you guys could share your stories as well thanks that really sucks breaking your collarbone super painful and he couldn't play softball again for a while after that do you have any of those Yeah, when I was a dancer, well, I danced throughout school up through college. And when I was on Palms senior year, I like messed up my hamstring pretty badly. I don't even know what I was doing, but I think I just like had like a spasm of the hamstring and I was like limping. It hurt really bad and it would flare up for a long time after that. But it definitely wasn't like a dramatic injury where we were like mid- routine and I collapse or something. Yeah. 
the hamstring goes and there's nothing really you can do about that. And it's, it's pretty debilitating. Yeah, it was, I mean, I was limping. It was a really painful. For me, I don't know if you remember this, but it was a handful of years ago, maybe four or five at this point, And it was playoffs for our BSSC football game. And I was going, I was playing defense and I had an interception in my hands and the receiver ran right through me and crushed me in the shoulder. And it was immediately some of the worst pain I had ever felt. And I pulled myself out of the game. We ended up losing the championship game. And then I had to sprint over to get down downtown Fells because we had bar golf that day. Hmm, I actually don't remember that because all I remember is bar golf and how amazing it was. So I don't remember your injury. Sorry. I was really in the zone. I was late to show up. I missed the first hole, I think. For those of you who don't know, bar golf, it's got a couple of meetings. There's the one where you do it with just drinking. But in this instance, we actually played a mini golf hole at nine different bars. And we went around and you have a team and you take the lowest score of the player on your team for each hole, add them together. And uh, Jacqueline, do you remember who won that event? Why, yes, I do, Josh. And it was us and we crushed it. Yeah, we sure did. Uh, Shout out to Joey and Tommy, who I know I didn't carry the team. I could barely move my shoulder. I don't think I won any of those holes, but I remember Joey was on a real hot streak. Joey was clutch. Yeah. Joey was definitely the, if we had to elect an MVP of that game, it probably would have been Joey. That's one of the more fun themes for a bar crawl I've ever done, for sure. It was the best and very well organized. They never did it again, though. Yeah, we broke the game. They We were too good. <laughs> and uh, they never wanted to see us again. So that was a memorable day for me. Another traumatic sports-related injury was when Tommy tried to give me the <laughs> Stone Cold Stunner <laughs> and ended up sending himself to the emergency room. <laughs> yeah, that was bad for a lot of reasons. It was like two, maybe three in the morning everyone's drunk he tries to do a stunner on my bed and ends up like rolling off and cracking his head on the corner of my very sharp desk he's bleeding everywhere i just want to go to sleep i'm literally like trying to get into bed i pass out and then meanwhile i find out that steve and you have taken him to the hospital and get stitches there was so much blood and he claims that he like moved in that way to like protect me from falling off the bed because he was stone cold stunnering me. But why was your desk so sharp? Like, why did you sharpen your desk to a point is, is all I want to know. I, uh, no comment. I don't Investigation know. still pending. Yeah. All right. Moving on. So if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, you can do so at anchor.fm slash Feeney. That's where you can leave us a message and let us know uh, if we've missed anything or if anything good is going on. So uh, thank you all for that. And now let's dive into this next episode. Jacqueline, can you set us up? I sure can. We are watching season one, episode 13. Okay, so Josh and I discovered a glitch in the Matrix. Disney Plus has this episode entitled Risky Business listed as episode 13, but when I started to do some background research on this episode, I found out that this is actually episode 16, and for some reason, 
Disney Plus has the episodes out of order. Um, it looks like the f- ones that we've done so far are, are all correct. But uh, for next week, I'm going to, you know, dig in and compare what Disney Plus has to the actual episodes and see which ones might be out of order. But this episode aired February 11th, 1994, was directed by David Trainer. And I'm just going to say that it doesn't really matter that this episode is out of order because nothing that happened last week really makes any impact on what happened this week in this episode. So I'm just throwing that out there. But we will we will get to the bottom of this. We will investigate. Uh, but we decided to just do this episode anyway yeah. because we figure anybody else watching along with us on Disney Plus is watching them in order. And anybody who's listening without watching along is never going to know the difference. So... That's that. Yeah, all these episodes are pretty much standalone episodes. Nothing relies on knowing anything previously, so it, it all works here. Uh, and uh, yeah, listening to this Scrubs rewatch podcast, there are some songs that they're not allowed to play because they like the in syndication they didn't get the rights to those songs. They only got the rights to the songs like initially. So some of the music is actually different in the episodes from Scrubs than when they originally aired. I wonder if it's something like that, but. I don't know. I think something stinks over at Disney, and this is a <laughs> hot investigation. We need to go undercover and discover what what they're doing. At any rate, the um, TV guide synopsis is Corey and Sean take a risk and make big profit in a money-making venture. I'm going to say Corey and Sean once again take the easy way out when they do the laziest possible school project involving betting money on horses, and then it all comes crashing down around them. Yeah, that's good. I also like the one uh, that Wikipedia has, which is Corey and Sean bet on racehorses for a school project, but they soon learn the hard way that there are things in life that are not worth risking. Wow. Damn, Wikipedia, that's like cuts to the core of the episode. That's too many words for TV Guide. It would never fit in that little gray box. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, cool. So we're going to be following the episodes in the order that Disney has them, and we will kind of get to the bottom of this next week. But for now, let's dive into this episode. So we're going to start in school, and we're pretty much going to learn what's going on in this episode right from the bat, because Minkus and Topanga, who have teamed up, are presenting their initial report on how they have invested their fake $1,000. The goal here seemingly is that each pair in the class needs to try and make the most money out of the initial $1,000 that they have, and Minkus has invested this money in the stock market. Yeah, so the assignment isn't clear. Are they supposed to use this money to start a business? Are they supposed to just invest in something like I'm not exactly sure, but they are given $1,000 and they're doing their reports and Corey and Sean are up next and, you know, they reveal that the project actually isn't due until next week. This is just a progress report. And being the slackers that they are, they have no progress to report. Yeah, of course they haven't started yet. A quick diversion here. In middle school, Tommy and Stefano and I were involved in the stock market game for a couple of years. Do you remember any of the nerds playing that? I did that in like sixth grade. Okay, perfect. So we did it, uh, I think maybe seventh and eighth grade. I don't remember the exact years, but I remember one of the greatest coups of all time is 
we were supposed to be investing our money. So you get whatever you get like a like this, you get a thousand dollars, and then you pick the stocks, and based on how they're actually performing, you see how much money you have. We just did it kind of within the school, but there were national competitions for people who could invest the best and the, the students that can invest the best. Anyway, it's right around the Super Bowl time. So we're trying to figure out which companies we can invest in that are going to make a lot of money around the Super Bowl. So we're thinking like chicken wings, maybe Purdue Farms or chips or sodas. And we were like, oh, people eat a lot of nuts. Let's do planters nuts. And we type in the stock symbol, the stock symbol PLA. And it is not planters nuts, but we pretend it's planters nuts in front of everyone else. It's really Playboy. This is one of your greatest accomplishments in life. Yes. In school, we invested in the stock market game in Playboy, which I'll tell you, it made us pretty good money. Um, are we losers? Well, <laughs> that has already been established. Oh my God. I can really just see you guys like <laughs> really thinking you pulled a fast one with this planters Playboy mess. In eighth grade or seventh grade or whenever it was, it was the funniest thing that we had ever done. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> so anyway. Well, in this scene, Minkus is really dialing up his uh, love for Topanga to 11, don't you think? Yes, he is. He's taking it to the next level. Talking about marrying her and providing for her, and he makes a couple of weird, creepy comments. He's very creepy and terrible. And once again, I would just like to repeat, Minkus, not my cup of tea. Yeah, noted. Um, Corey and Sean go up. They really present that they haven't done anything. Like you said, they're going to procrastinate. There's a week left. So why would they start if they still have a week to do this all? And in talking about all of this, Minkus is kind of talking some trash to them. And so they decide that maybe they're going to make a little bit of a side bet. Yeah, uh, so... They're in the hallway. Corey and Sean totally get saved by the bell on their progress report. They like literally right as they get up there, the bell goes and they get out in the hallway and they decide to bet Minkus $10 and they're actually, okay, the terms of the bet, once again, unclear. It sounds like they're each going to take $10 and see who can invest it actually make like a real profit with it and then they're gonna whoever wins it's like winner take all is that was that what you got from that too yeah i'm trying to think of like what the actual options for a couple of an 11 12 year old kids are to take ten dollars and turn it into more money like you could i guess buy some ice and some lemons and like set up a lemonade stand and see if you could make more than ten dollars doing that way but other than like betting like what are your options here you do what the kids in the wire do and you buy bulk candy at a discount and sell it in the halls Mm. I don't okay, I don't know. I thought the same thing. Like they can't actually take $10 in cash and like invest it in anything. So I I have no idea. But Topanga comes in and is like, "I want to say in this because I'm your partner, Minkus, and we need to make these decisions together." And Minkus is like, "It's me against them in a battle of wits." And she goes, "I'll bet $100,000." $300,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So, Sean has a quick idea. He's like, oh, my Uncle Frank, he knows horses. We can just bet on some horses through Uncle Frank, and this is going to be a lock. And uh, Corey has kind of a mean dig here. He says, well, if your uncle 
knows horses and can make money so well, how come he lives in a trailer? Yeah, this is her first like intro to Sean's dark underbelly life with the trailers and the mafioso uncle. And this will definitely come into play in later seasons, but it's like the first time we've gotten to to see that. Yeah, exactly. So the terms of the bet are set and the scenes for the rest of the episode are set here. We've got our premise. And so we're going to see how the boys do on their betting on horses. And immediately we're in the kitchen and they're listening to the radio and the results. Did you notice in the last scene that as they were walking down the hallway, placing their ho- or like talking about their horse bet, that they were doing the cool guy one strap backpack strap? Ooh, no, I noticed that during that scene, there was some random kid sitting in the window all the way to the back of the school. And I was trying to figure out what he was doing. I was too focused on him to notice the backpacks. Yeah, man, they were one strapping it. That sounds about right. I think that was the way to do it. Yeah, but yes, you are correct. They are in the kitchen back at the Matthews home and they are listening to the radio for the results of their horse race. Yep, and I thought they were going to listen to the whole race, but apparently the race had already happened. They just get the results and put some money on Tuna Melt to win. He wins, and according to my quick math, if he pays out to win 1980 on a $5 bet, that equals $99 exactly, which is what they win. So they either only bet five of the dollars, or maybe they did some other bet and, and it came up to that much. Well, the important thing is the boys bet on Tuna Melt to win, Tuna Melt won, and they now turned their paltry investment into $99. They are flying high. They're feeling really good. They've got a secret handshake, which is quite detailed. Yes, this is our first intro to the dance slide secret handshake thing. I'm fairly certain we'll never see that again. I don't know. Maybe. I I, I certainly don't remember it. Yeah, but they get a great secret handshake. And mom comes in and is asking, you know, she she sees the Valentine's Day card that Alan has left for her. Uh, as you mentioned, this did air in February, not in January when we thought it did. So this is actually their Valentine's Day episode, right? Right. So meanwhile, it's Valentine's Day when the boys were getting ready to listen to the horse race. They found a little Valentine's note on the table that was for Amy. Apparently her pet name is Boom Boom. Mm-hmm. So the boys were reading the note that Alan wrote to Amy and um, just sort of laughing at the parents being cutesy. And then Amy comes in and discovers her note and is all like lovey-dovey and smiley. So we're getting ready for Valentine's Day and the note reminds her like, oh, Valentine's Day is Monday. I need to get a babysitter and then asks if Corey will do it. Yeah. And Corey declines to be paid for the job because he is flush with cash from this tuna melt bet amy's like well i started babysitting around your age i'll give you a shot Corey." so Corey agrees to it and he is excited about that opportunity i mean he's just riding high on his win so he's he would agree to anything at that point we also get our only eric scene right now i i guess we're to assume that eric is not going to be available to babysit on valentine's day because he has a date with one of his many girlfriends. He's yeah, he's talking about the coolest girl in school and he's trying to get a date with her. I'm curious here now, Eric has dated some pretty attractive girls. He's dated a girl who just made the cheerleading team. You know, he we know he's been on dates with a few other folks. 
And now he's talking about the coolest girl in school. What do you think Eric's like status is in school in terms of like popularity? I have been thinking about that too. I think the writers are just phoning it in and they're just like teenage boy tropes and they're not really thinking about that. But at this point, the way he is blowing through girls in his high school, I just don't remember anyone doing that. Like, why are girls even still talking to him at this point with the way he is like cycling through people? But maybe I'm just not remembering high school properly. He doesn't seem to think he's cool. Let's put it that way, because he's always making like comments about how he is like a loser and girls only want to date seniors and blah, blah, blah. But I guess he's probably pretty popular. Yeah, we haven't seen him with any friends necessarily just yet. And as we later find out, he does get a date with the coolest girl in school, which is big for him. But he doesn't play sports. He doesn't like he's not in a band or anything. So he doesn't really have like any high status thing to cling to. He's not super smart. You know, He kind of just is one of those guys that exists, it seems like. That's why I'm thinking the writers really are just like thinking of him as an accessory. And then I think when they start to realize that he's actually a good actor and he's funny, they start adding a little more flavor to his character. But right now it's still just sort of like, I am here to make funny comments and talk about girls. And that is it. Yeah. Yeah. But he comes in wearing a very cool leather jacket, I must say. He comes in the scene. Corey and Sean are sitting at the table. He immediately starts asking them for relationship advice. Why won't this girl date me? Blah, blah, blah. And then when Corey responds to give him advice, he goes, oh, well, I'm always eager to get romantic advice from a fetus, which was funny. But like, bro, you asked like you came in here and asked two 11 year olds for dating advice. This is what you get. Exactly. So we'll we'll track. Eric does come back one quick second a little bit later. We'll track to see what goes on with him. Meanwhile, we're back in the classroom. The boys are still riding high, and they present their findings and their their earnings that they bet on a racehorse and they won and they have more than you know 18, 19 times their money in just one quick win. Minkus is not happy, but more importantly, Feeney is allowing this nonsense. I mean, the boys do make a good point that, you know, if they are supposed to be pretending to invest this money, that they can pretend to quote unquote invest this money in something that adults are allowed to do and and win it. And so I don't think he knows that they actually put real money on it. I think he probably thinks that, you know, according to them, they took their money and they invested it in this horse race and then they made their money that way but don't you think the point of the assignment was to like learn something about investing or business or something and not just like see how much money you could make potentially like he's he's literally going to accept this as their as their project they do no work Not only do they accept it, but they also get an A on it because we learn later that not only do they have their $100, but they also got A's on this project for maybe the first time in their lives. Just seems like they're gaming the system a little bit is all I'm saying. Yeah, could be. Feeney is not striking them down. We do have a lesson though that is the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward and the boys are starting to find this out a little bit. So that's, that's a valuable lesson. Sean is slinging the one-liners in this episode. Yeah, he He is. He is is cracking me up this whole episode. 
he has some yeah really good lines throughout so the classroom scene goes really well for Corey and sean and they're back in the living room eric comes home and it turns out he took a gamble and he's got a date with brianna henshaw the coolest girl in school so he took the fetus's dating advice and it worked yeah and they now find the uh reply valentine to which sean calls boom boom's reply the note that Amy sends back to Alan setting up their Valentine's Day date. So now we know that Alan and Amy are going to meet for dinner on Valentine's Day at the restaurant where Alan proposed. And Corey starts thinking, I don't know why, but he decides he wants to gamble their money again. That's right. Corey wants to risk it. He wants to go bigger, go home. And so they start thinking about that again. Meanwhile, uh, they're chomping on some Twizzlers, and I was Ugh. wondering whether Disgusting. you were, are you a Twizzler or a Red Vine person or neither? Neither. I think they're trash. I actually do like licorice, but I don't think you can count Twizzlers as licorice. You like the black garbage licorice? Um, I mean, I like licorice all sorts. Have you, have you ever had those? Like, I like licorice flavored things. But yeah. I don't want like a chewy, disgusting candy. I don't like it. I don't like licorice jelly beans, though. Like, I think I just don't like stuff that's like gummy like that. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I enjoy a Twizzler and I really don't like red vines, which is an unpopular opinion on the West Coast, or at least in this area. People seem to really be all in on red vines here. What's the difference? Uh, I mean, they're a little bit different in style and they're different brands. And I think the Red Vines are like super cherry flavor and the the Twizzlers have a little bit more of a muted flavor. I think they're all trash. All right. Well, then we'll move right along. Give me a sour gummy worm any day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or some sour watermelons. Oh, the best. Yeah. I love those. Okay. So like you said, that was the kind of day before. And now it is the day that they are going to be babysitting and they're in, they, meaning Sean and Corey, are in the bedroom and they are betting on the fifth race at Pimlico, which, as you know, is located in Baltimore, Maryland. Indeed. Just continuity. There's three days. There's the day that they made the first bet, mm-hmm. the day that they made the second bet, which is where we are right now, and then there's Valentine's Day. So right now, they are going to like place the bet and then Valentine's Day is when they actually get their winnings and they're like counting all the money on the bet. And that's when they're babysitting Morgan. So they're they're up in the room. Corey has convinced Sean to bet their $99 on another horse, which I think is ridiculous, but they go for it. And yes, Pimlico, not the nicest racetrack in the world, huh? Have you ever been there? Yes, been to Preakness a couple of times. Great, great fun. One of the major three in the horse racing season. Stand in the infield, you get hammered drunk, you're with a million other goons, and it's just a really nice, crazy day of horse racing. But I know your company always did Black Eye Susan Day there. Yeah, I've been to Black Eyed Susan Day for the past probably five years, which is um, a super duper toned down Preakness because it's it's just not crazy with the crowds and stuff. It's like a, a more chill day. But they announced this year that they rescheduled Preakness. It's going to be on October now. 
but they are not doing the infield fest this year. Mm, interesting. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. They bet on neck flap. They're going with good old neck flap in the fifth race at Pimlico. They risk in all $99 and they turn on the radio to listen to the results and it cuts off right as they're supposed to hear who wins. The scene had me cracking up. Like Corey is all amped up and he's like, come on, come on, give me the results, give me the results. And as the guy is reading who won the race, Corey picks up the boom box that they're listening on and like puts it up in the air out of frustration and he rips the cord out of the wall. So you only hear the announcer say, the winner is Nit. And Corey's like, no, what kind of name is no? You idiot, you ripped the plug out of the wall. Well, he said no, it's gotta be neck flap. What if the horse starts with no? Okay, we got uh, neck flap, Nux Vomica, uh, Nunzio's Dream, and remarkably a horse called no. I was cracking up. It was so funny. That was really good. They have to call Uncle Frankie two toes to find out who actually won the race and did they win their money. Yeah, and Sean's kind of downplaying it while he's on the phone and gets off the phone and Corey's freaking out. He's like, oh, we lost it. We shouldn't have done it. This was so stupid. We never should have done this. We should have just kept our money. And Sean says, we've won $680, which now we're talking some real money. To a kid that age, that is like an inconceivable amount of money. Yeah, no, that's insane. They apparently about seven to one odds on the horse. They went with him. He won. And now they are... As John Ralphio would say, a flush with cash. They keep all their money in a toilet because they're flush with cash. <laughs> Corey's just thinking about how many uh, broke ass off brand super soakers he can buy with $680. Exactly. Think about all the things from the past few episodes. He's. He can get a basketball, the basketball net. He can get the biggest super soakers, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So they're freaking out. And now cut to the next day. It's Valentine's Day. And Corey and Sean are counting their winnings. They have their cash all spread out over Corey's bed. And Corey just wants to like keep counting the money. Scrooge McDuck in it, just rolling in all those singles. Yep, exactly. So they are super excited. Meanwhile, the parents are calling because Alan is looking for Amy and Amy is looking for Alan. They're supposed to be meeting at this restaurant for Valentine's Day, but they can't find each other. So Sean leaves. He's going to go get a pizza. Mm -hmm. Morgan is perturbed because Corey is not playing with her. And the whole point of babysitting. Yeah, he's supposed to, as she points out, you're supposed to entertain me in her classic Morgan way. And so he's like hiding the cash on his bed, trying to just get his sister out of his hair, who he's supposed to be babysitting. Yeah. You know, she's rightfully so like she's a little bit mad and she locks herself in the bathroom and isn't coming out. So now Corey's trying to bribe Morgan to come out. I think Corey wouldn't care if she was in there or not, but he gets a call from Sean, who's at Pizza World, that Lenny Dykstra, who we've mentioned before, Philly's baseball player, is actually at Pizza World. And they have a great opportunity to go get some autographs. So now Corey's trying to get Morgan out of the bathroom and she's refusing and they're bartering with cupcakes and she still doesn't come out. So finally, Corey just leaves her. Yeah, like a true bonehead. He decides to just leave his sister 
at home alone so he can rush down to this pizza restaurant and get his Lenny Dykstra rookie cards autographed. And this is, I know these episodes are theoretically out of order, but this would make two episodes in a row where Corey has rushed out of the house and either left his sister on her own or left his sister with Sean, who also is unqualified to babysit. Man, Morgan is really an afterthought in this family, huh? Yeah, she gets Kevin McAllister a couple of times here, really. But Morgan is pumped. She's home alone. So she opens the front door to make sure that everyone's gone and they are. And she comes in and she's having a dance party. She doesn't close the door, which seems like she would know better to not close the front door. But she doesn't. And she's having a dance party. And she throws her doll, which hits the planter, which breaks the window in the back door. And she is terrified. Yeah, so she just made a huge mess and presumably is worried that she's going to get in trouble. So she runs. We just see her running out the back door. And a moment later, Corey and Sean walk in and they realize the front door is open, which is suspicious. And Corey frantically starts looking for Morgan can't find her, sees the broken window and the doll, and immediately assumes that Morgan has been kidnapped. Yeah, he's really on a roller coaster here because he's riding high. He just got 12 cards signed by Lenny Dykstra, which he thinks are going up and up and up in value and that they've just invested in something amazing. Then he realizes his sister's gone and he panics. Then Feeney tells Corey that Morgan's up in the treehouse, which is where all the Matthews go when something bad is happening. And finally... Uh, He gets up to the treehouse and kind of puts everything else aside and really does a nice job of finally, for the first time in this episode, being a good big brother. Well, thankfully, Mr. Feeney was there to tell him that Morgan was just hiding up in the treehouse. Feeney obviously didn't know that anything was wrong. He thought Morgan was just playing in the treehouse, but Corey comes out freaking out and he's like, I bet my baby sister, I bet it all. And he's having a real meltdown and Feeney's like, chill out, man. She's right there. But yeah, he does. He tells his sister he's going to take the fall for the broken window. He's going to take the blame because he shouldn't have left her alone in the first place. And it's his fault that it happened. And he just comforts her and makes her feel better. It doesn't look like Feeney's really got anything to do on Valentine's Day. And I'm wondering if Amy and Alan either A, like asked Feeney to kind of check on what was happening next door because it was Corey's first time babysitting or B, should have just gone to Feeney and said, hey, we're going to leave Corey home for a few hours while we go out to dinner tonight. If you wouldn't mind just kind of like checking once or twice on them, that would be really big help. That would have been a smart thing to do, yes. Josh, I also would like to point out, do you remember a few episodes ago where I used the word obtuse maybe too many times? How could I forget? I just want to point out that you are dangerously close to using the phrase riding high even more times than I used the word obtuse. Really? Yes. <laughs> that is that is shocking news to me because I don't know if I've ever consciously said that phrase in my life. <laughs> I should have just let it ride <laughs> and see how many times you said it. But uh, yeah, I think we're up to four right now. Oh, shit. All right. Well, I mean, to be fair... They are riding high. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we clear all that up. There's still a mess, but Corey owns up to the mess and he's going to take the blame for Morgan. Be a good big brother. Meanwhile, Amy and Alan come home and they are in the backyard and having this talk. 
they're kind of mad at each other because they both ended up at different restaurants and Amy's like, come on, you, well, I'll let you explain it. First of all, Corey and Sean didn't bring home that pizza that they got out to go. They got so excited by Lenny Dexter that they didn't bring home a pizza, which if I was there would have never happened. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, so Amy and Alan are home. They're arguing in the backyard. They both went to different restaurants. If you recall, Boom Boom's note to Pooh Bear only said, meet me at the restaurant where you proposed. It didn't actually say which restaurant. So they both went to different places. And Amy is mad at Alan that he went to the wrong restaurant. And then she finally asks him, where did you go? And he says, I went to Phil's Grill. And then a light bulb goes off and Amy realizes that actually is where he proposed. She went to the wrong restaurant. Plot twist. And then the bomb just keeps exploding because not only did she go to the wrong restaurant, the reason she went to the wrong restaurant is because somebody else proposed to her at that restaurant, Shayla Floor. Yeah. I wanted to ask you how realistic you thought all of this was. If you had been proposed to, what are the chances that you would confuse these two and not remember which one was which? I mean, in all honesty, hard for me to say because I was proposed to 12 months ago, almost exactly. So hard for me to imagine a situation in which I might like that memory might become less clear. I I really don't know. But I find it very hard to believe that she doesn't have a very clear picture in her head of when Alan proposed and where. Seems not possible to me, but hard to say. Seems unlikely. Also kind of a bummer that she's been proposed to twice and they were both at restaurants, which is kind of played out. Well, also kind of messed up that she never... Like, never in their relationship did this come up. She never told Alan that she had been proposed to before. Yeah, a lot of new information taking place here. Any which one of these pieces would have been bombshells, and we're getting them all at once. Yeah, I mean, Alan is overreacting, because in the grand scheme of things, like, who cares that somebody proposed to her so many years ago? It really doesn't matter. But... If I were him, I would be very curious to know this information, and it is surprising that it never came up in conversation in their 20 years of marriage or whatever. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, except all of that had happened, Alan really proposed at Phil's Grill, which I don't want to judge a restaurant based on its name, but doesn't sound like it's the best. That's what Arthur said. But then I was like, you know, Capital Grill or... Joe's, um, you know, that Joe's crab like, cra- no, not Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's called like Joe's Stone Crab and Grill or something. And it's like a really nice rest. Whatever, man. F- whatever. Phil's Grill sounds like shit. Fine. I'll admit it. But I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to give Alan the benefit of the doubt. So there he is down on one knee at Joe's Crab Shack eating all you can eat coconut shrimp. <laughs> okay. The parents, they walk in, they find the mess. Corey takes the blame and says he'll pay for it with his own money, which draws a red flag because there's no way Corey's got that much money. But turns out he does. So It kind of skips ahead after that. We don't find out uh, whether Corey reveals how he earned his money or not, which I think would be a bigger punishment for him 
than actually breaking or taking the blame for breaking the thing in the house, right? If they found out he was gambling this money, that's a that's a way bigger thing. Yeah. So Corey is sitting there. Morgan's in his lap. He's reading the Velveteen Rabbit to her. She's sleeping. He didn't bother to even sweep up the broken vase or like shut the door that was wide open with the mm, like. Good point. You couldn't get a dustpan and clean up this mess. But my bigger question is does he tell the parents that he left Morgan home alone or does he just say I broke the vase lies about his leaving her home alone transgression and just gets in trouble for the gambling yeah we don't really know what happened in any of those things we don't know how much he told or how he came up with the money there are a lot of question marks there so we never get to find out the punishment or how mad they are or what the consequences really are for Corey. right and as we learn later, he has to spend his entire $680 to fix that door, replace the flower pot, you know, so he comes out with bubkis. Yeah, I hope that's just his half of the money and Sean still got to keep his half and that he didn't use all of the money on this one incident. That's what he said. But at the end, he brings his mom a flower for Valentine's Day. And he says, this is all the money I had left after Sean and I spent our money to fix the door. So he makes it sound like they had to use all the money, which seems a little steep. Yeah, it does. It's good of Sean to like take his responsibility and role in this even though it really had, it, it's not his fault. Um, No, but, you know, when you think about the fact that they shouldn't have been gambling anyway, their parents could not have let them keep that money because then you're just rewarding the bad behavior. Sure. But they could have taken it and like invested it in a college fund or something. Okay, so we're back in school. Corey and Sean win the contest. They beat Minkus. They win with all of their money, even though they had to eventually pay it out anyway but Corey learns a really valuable lesson that you should never gamble anything that you can't afford to lose and feeny with his knowing look is like you got it core smart smart kid good lesson yeah minkus is on a little bit of a bad luck streak here he couldn't solve that math problem last episode and now he didn't win this contest so they are really getting the better of him yeah and sean his lesson was some people say bet on a jockey. Other people say, give me a horse that can run in the mud. And that was <laughs> and that was Sean's big contribution. To which Feeney replies, bravo. Very snarky. Yeah, very snarky and sarcastic. As this scene wraps up, Sean gives a valentine to Minkus. And it's a very sweet note. And you think he's going to have another good moment. But then he ends it with, turn around and there is Corey and Sean with their Nerf ball guns and they are shooting at not only Minkus but Mr. Feeney. This scene is insane. <laughs> they have guns in school again. They are shooting at a student blatantly and at a teacher. Mr. Feeney definitely wouldn't stand for that. And just when you think that that's where the scene gets the craziest. No, Feeney opens up his drawer, has the same exact one, and starts shooting back like this is all cool and normal. Yeah, Feeney comes out looking like Scarface with his bazooka, and he's just like furiously returning fire. I'm going to have to get a, a screen grab of that yeah. and put it on Insta because his face is haunting. Like, what the hell is happening here? 
don't know, man. It's just it's all it's good, clean fun. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. That was a weird scene, and and that wraps up school. And finally, at the end of the episode, like you mentioned, Corey spends the last of his money giving Mom a rose. Alan comes home and brings home some flowers and apologizes for overreacting. And they make up, and Boom Boom and Pooh Bear are all back to normal. He gives her a rose, but does he give her a kiss from a rose? I thought you were going to make a Bachelor reference, and you went right to Seal. Uh, yeah, I have never watched The Bachelor in my life, so I will not be referencing that anytime soon. Okay, good enough. Lame parents post credit scene boring but still not as bad as last week with minkus uh dematerializing no, talk about it that will be the bar that we hold all post credit scenes against yeah don't even talk about that we never mention it again there's nowhere to go from up from that and that does it for another episode of boy meets world yeah that's it it was funny i i will say Corey had some moments in this one where his like he did this voice like you know in the in the opening credits where we have that clip of him going underpants and it's like that gr- mm-hmm. that kind of like deep voice. He had that voice inflection in a couple of moments in this scene where like that goofy Corey was starting to come out when he says like, I want to live. <laughs> he does that silly voice. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like the beginnings of madman Corey because they kind of turn him into this like uh, neurotic mess later on but I liked that and I really liked Sean in this episode he started to actually form even more of a personality and kind of have some backstory there so I'm I'm liking seeing the character development in Sean a lot well thank you again as always for your time and thank you to all of the listeners for joining us Feeny podcast on Instagram, Facebook, you know where to find us. Hit us up, leave us a message, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you soon. One final announcement. We always have episodes come out Friday and Monday. Next week, we will not be having an episode released on Monday. So we're taking the weekend off. Yes, it is Memorial Day. We'll be back at you with an episode next Friday. So you'll just have to wait a little bit longer. Great time to catch up if you're behind on episodes. Catch up on episodes, catch up with some old friends, spend some time talking to the ones you love, and regroup because we've got a slew of great episodes ahead. Kumbaya. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.